Welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Dundeal Football Podcast. Um, today, I am actually delighted to be joined by Alex Siegel. Alex is a company director and senior agent um, at Intertalent Group. Um, I'm, I met Alex actually, uh, I don't know, I'm speaking the third person now, I met you <laughs> a couple of years ago where um, we got introduced from a mutual friend, I think it was Daniel Diamond at the time. And um, and we just uh, got chatting, got friendly, and, and really because we work in quite um, interlinked uh, industries, I just thought it'd be great to get you on the, the podcast and chat about your experiences growing up, what you wanted to be, how you got into the industry, what it's like day to day, just to give sort of peer behind the curtain a little bit, just to give some um, of the listeners a, a view on the entertainment space generally. So, Alex, thanks very much for joining. No, me. thanks for um, having me. Appreciate it. Happy birthday for yesterday. <laughs> I heard it was your birthday. So thanks for, uh, I've had a nice, um, rather isolated day to a degree. And I hope you managed to get a bit of cake. Yeah, a bit of birthday um, lockdown. And uh, I went in all the rooms yesterday as a bit of something special. So that was good. Just, just because you needed to do that a little bit more exercise. Yeah, absolutely. If you, got, if you can't go in all the rooms on your birthday, then what else are you going to do on lockdown, to be fair? So, um, no, it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, 34 now, so cracking on. Yeah, I'm a couple of, more than a couple of years older. But um, yeah, I know with birthdays, you start, stop celebrating and start commiserating at some point. But I think, um, yeah, we've all got a little bit more time to go before that. Absolutely. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining. I mean, I, I think ultimately what I'm quite... Uh, trying to do is um, just shine a light on um, you know the great work that loads of people do in the football, sports, entertainment industry generally. And I know a lot of people will be really fascinated by the work that you do as a, a, a director and agent at um, you know a great company like Intertalent. Is it possible? I mean, maybe the first easy question to ask is, what did you actually want to be? Growing up, did you actually want to be an agent or was no. it some other lofty idea about what you wanted? Yeah, I mean, like most people, I had no idea what an agent did or does. And, and even when I took my first step into an agency, I think it was 2008, maybe, I still had no idea. But no, originally, um, I went to drama school. Well, I went to university uh, and did a creative arts degree, which was nicely vague. Did a, did a lot of... Lot of everything but a lot of nothing at the same time and, and I came out and I actually had a, a plan to become a theatre producer that was my that was what I loved doing at university and I found a, a great course at Central School of Speech and Drama which is obviously you know one of the biggest uh, drama schools in the country and I, and I did an MA there uh, for a year and I really enjoyed it I mean you know Central is a fantastic place to be and I made a lot of great connections so that was kind of my path um what I realised very quickly um, when I got out of drama school and I, I did a bit of work at the Old Vic, I did a bit of work in the West End, I did a bit of work uh, sort of around different places and, and had a great time. And what I realised very quickly was that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry and acting and drama had always been a real big passion of mine, even since going back to school. Um, but what I realised very quickly was that I couldn't hack being freelance and self-employed. And I really take my hat off to anyone um, who is self-employed and works freelance because it is a slog, an absolute slog. And I, I realised very quickly that wasn't something that that I think was I thought was right for me. And so very quickly I had to change tactic and and you know work out where could I sit in this well originally in this acting world and 
um, and know that I was going to get a paycheck every month. And and so it, it took a lot of soul searching and a lot of conversations. But as as you know, Dan, I've got a family full of agents. Um, my uncle's a football agent. My cousin's a football agent. My other cousin is in and around that as well. And my my granddad, my my dad's dad, um, who I never got to meet sadly, he was a, a big music manager back in the sort of fifties and sixties and. He used to bring acts over uh, to the air bases and he used to do a bit of work with um, Shirley Bassey and Bill Haley and the Comets. And um, he even, fe- my granddad even features in one of the Craze autobiographies uh, because in between the Craze doing what the Craze did best, they uh, they found music acts and they would get my granddad to manage them for them. So it's kind of come down the family gene. So I think one day my dad just turned around to me and said, you know, you're from a family of agents. Um, I know you don't quite know just now what that means, but you love acting. Why don't you go and find a theatrical agency, you know, and 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 see if you like it. And and I thought he was nuts because I'd only ever been in the theatre and I thought I'd be out of an office, but I tried it. I got a bit of work experience at a brilliant, brilliant agency called Curtis Brown, a very brilliant agency. And from day one, I was obsessed and, and I haven't looked back since. And that was, uh, I think, 10 years ago. I think that was about 2010 or something. So, um, yeah, theatre producer turned agent is the process for me. And, yeah, I, I can completely see that path in a way um, leading on to sort of the acting and, and talent management side. Um, and and I guess the, the, then the next question, sort of at least in chronological order, is then, OK, so you're... Um, in at Curtis yeah. Brown, you start um, you start doing your stuff, uh, and at what point do you suddenly think, well, what do I actually need to do? What are my core skills going to be? How am I going to recruit talent? What am I gonna um, What am I going to do in order to make a name for myself? For sure, I, the the position at Curtis Brown was it was a a work experience, limited position, so I knew I only had three months to kind of get as much. As soon as I realized that was the place for me, I kind of became like a bit of a hoover and soaked up as much information as is humanly possible. What I realized very quickly was knowledge is everything, especially uh, at that, you know, as an actor's agent at that point, you know, you're, you're, you're across everything. So you're not just specializing in theater, which is what my background had been. You, you really had to start gaining knowledge in TV, in film, in radio, you know, who's making what, who is a big player who's up and coming you know which actors do i need to know about where do i need to to be going you know which theaters do i need to be going to which screenings do i need to attend i think very quickly it was drummed into me that without knowledge of your industry you won't make it as an agent you will struggle because obviously a huge part of what you do as an agent and what i do on a daily basis is giving my advice and that's based on my experience it's based on my knowledge of of what's been and what's here and what's to come and who is interesting and and who um you know is going to go far and so you know very quickly it was all about um learning everything the skill set um of which there is no degree to be an agent there is no school of agenting sadly um i know in different areas such as you know football where you are at times there have been you know exams to pass um but for me you know in, in acting and entertainment there there is no exam you have to just get out there and learn and i think the biggest thing for me was just you can never know enough information and even to this day i'm still learning about new people and new places and new companies so 
yeah, the key thing at the very beginning, if anyone wanting to become an agent, is know your industry. No, I think that's a really important bit, and and I think it's a lot of the, the the agents that I work with and 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 spend time with because we're doing deals or because we're having to do things and I'm having to advise them um, generally is just to see the the hard yards yeah. that these men and women are having to do on a daily basis that you know um, we can take the mick that you know the, the glamorous side is when you're signing a great deal or you're at the, on the red carpet or you know you're at a great um, uh, you know party and mm. you know you've got your, your, your client with you you know showing how great they are and the rest of it but behind all of the, the glamour lies a pretty process process driven gritty hands-on day-to-day job which probably isn't quite as glamorous as absolutely i think a lot of people think that our lives are a bit like entourage and it's purely parties and and events and you know well by your instagram post that is definitely the case (laughs) you know i think if you showed the hard graph nobody would be bothered um i think (laughs) yeah i mean those things are great and you have to enjoy them because if you don't you know if you don't enjoy the fun moments and the perks when they come then you're just going to become jaded and, and you know you have to remember why you got into this industry you know your passion your love for for the arts and and so when great moments come along you have to stop and actually be excited to be in that position because you know if, if you don't it, it's you know you get very caught up on on uh well what can often be quite a lot of negative so yeah i think the fun you know a lot of people see the end result um and you know as a great agent yeah the idea if you know if, if for one who you know people out there all the great agents out there you don't really want to be seen and heard you really want to let your client do all the talking and but yeah behind the scenes every day no there's no clocking in and out and there's definitely no weekends um you're working super hard to make opportunities and create opportunities for your clients which is which is really the basis of what i do is creating opportunity and to end on that point i think that's a really interesting bit or rather ask my next question which is so you see yourself as an opportunity Mm. creator is it possible just to explain sort of day to day what you do but also the type of opportunities you create generally for actors and talent which is on screen and then off screen whereas obviously that the work that I tend to do more with with my clients is obviously on field and off field, yeah. but obviously you know um, the screen, um, the big screen or small screen or the theatre is is basically the the field for your for your actors. For sure. Well, I think um, first of all, back in the day, I mean, even back to just when I started, you know, you were very limited in, in what those possibilities and opportunities were. I mean, it really was TV, film, radio, stage. Um, and whether that's as a presenter or as an actor or whatever, that's kind of what you had to play with. Obviously, you know, the way the world has moved and so quickly, you know, there's platform after platform and, and endless opportunities to, to be heard and to be seen. Uh, you know, for me on a day-to-day basis, it's very, in terms of working with my clients, there's not really a beginning and end to the job description. I could I could probably go on because you're there working with them as a as their teammate as their partner in crime you're there to basically take what they bring to the table which is their talent their ideas their opinions um and with on being on the same page with them which is always a key thing you have to always be on the same page as your client is try and succeeding your short-term goals 
so that you're on the route to the big long-term goal, which will always change. Your goals always have to evolve. There's never going to be a point where you're satisfied, especially not in this industry, um, because ultimately no job ever lasts forever. And um, my, I'm always thinking three or four jobs ahead because no matter what job you get for your client, whether it's one day or, or a year, there will always come a time where there's after that job. And you have to always be ready. You can never be on the back foot. So I spend a lot of my day not just trying to get that one next job, but trying to get the second, third, fourth and fifth jobs. You know, we work very closely on suggesting them for roles, for creating things. We work very closely on their on the content we're putting out, which is their, their CV, their photos. We work on their showreels and very close on on making sure that they're introduced to the right people. Obviously, you know, a bit like you, um, we work very closely on their contracts and nine out of 10 times we would do all contracts. It would only be really for something that is not my specialty where, so for example, I don't, I do a few book deals. Um, I did one last year with Emily ATAC and I've got another one that's going to actually be announced this week. Um, but I don't do book deals enough to be able to sit there and, and, confidently say i know everything about a book contract so i'd get a lawyer in for that or i might get a lawyer uh, i'm gonna have to give you a call um and and (laughs) you know you know and a bit now on intellectual property which has become a new big thing as well where i just want to always make sure that we're we're doing the exact right thing on a contract there which again is very new to everyone so uh, otherwise we're doing contracts we're doing if people don't have a publicist we're doing their pr as well so it, it really is a, a one-stop shop in terms of nurturing and pushing and formulating your client's career. And for me, that started off as an actor's agent um, at ARG, where I moved after Curtis Brown. And I got to work with a, an amazing boss there called Sue Latimer, who represents Daniel Radcliffe and Liam Neeson. And her son is Freddie Highmore. And she's got these amazing actors, James Nesbitt. And, you know, I got to work under her guidance for nearly four years, which is really where my training came. And I slogged it and I worked those long hours and, you know, you know, all those calls to America. And, and, and it was amazing to work with such big names because you were really thrown in at the deep end. And, and basically the rule was you can't bugger this up. You have to come out the other end, you know, winning, really. Um, so I've been doing it with actors, but I'd say 18 months ago, I broadened my horizons a bit and, and I still look after actors, but I now look after TV presenters, sports people. I kind of term it as a talent agent as opposed to just an actor's agent. I kind of got to the point where I love doing what I do with actors and I still want to do that and I continue to do that, but I do have passions in other fields and I wanted to do a bit of everything because I'm greedy like that. Um, so, so, and it's nice because when you get to do, when you get to work with, with people that don't just do one thing that kind of want to hop between boxes, your opportunities and your horizons, you know, stretch as far and wide as, as they want to stretch really, which is where the really exciting part of my job comes from now is, is, box hopping really is not letting people be sucked into just being one thing i think if you're just one thing you're you're gonna at some point hit a dead end i think for longevity you need to keep surprising people uh, whatever field that you're in and keep doing things that nobody would expect you to do which is kind of what i love to do with my clients that's awesome and i think then the, the next thought that i had as you were, were speaking was how, how best you go about then finding and recruiting your clients you know your talent across acting tv and sports or otherwise is it is it as simple as word of mouth is it simple as friends of friends is it people proactively come to you 
you know how, how mm. does that work actually well, work in practice you know there's no rules in, in our industry which is amazing i mean it's, it's good that there's no rules because you know you can make your own path also you know without rules you know things can be a bit tricky but um the fact that there's so many platforms out there the fact that there's you know i think you just have to do everything you can to get noticed and not just by a big agency you know there's a myth that goes around i don't know if, if it's the same myth in football but in our world you know there's that myth that if you're not with a, a top five agency that you're not going to get through the door and, and that's not true there's loads of great agents some of whom are boutique and some of whom have are great at have, have great taste and they're great at, at finding new talent and they have great relationships so i think you just have to be trying to get yourself in front of an agent and if that's just three scenes in something if that's your presenter show reel if that's whatever it might be you know we get sent so much a day like everyone does but ultimately i feel that great talent rises to the top and each individual agent has their own taste has their own uh, a client list that they they're nurturing into how they want their client list to be so for me you know it, it's really at this moment in time i'm looking for people that obviously are talented that have opinions that have ideas that want to be just more than what they are now and who have a long-term vision that stretches far and wide in many different areas i think I'm really excited by people with a business mind. Uh, I'm really excited by, you know, talented people who are who are budding entrepreneurs. And that's what I'm really looking at. And that can be an actor. You know, you know, there's some fantastic actors that do other brilliant things, but that could also now be a presenter or an ex-athlete or whatever it might be. So, yeah, from my, everyone's different and there's no rule. But from my point of view, I'm looking at someone who's eclectic, who, who brings sort of diversity to the table in whatever way that is. Um, uh, and, and I like somebody who, who feels like they're nowhere near their potential because if they've reached their potential or they feel like they're at the end of that run, then, you know, I'm not going to be much use to them. So um, there's no real tried necessity to find that agent. I think you just have to, you have to just leave no stone unturned, really, in your pursuit. And how do you find then once you, because you've obviously got an unbe- unbelievable, rather unbelievable, it's just a fantastic, really, really impressive roster of, of talent. How do you find um, balancing all of their needs at the same time? Obviously, there's going to be some which are going to be needy is the wrong word. <laughs> no, no, no. In that's, more that's, in need of right your right help right. and guidance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some are going to be you know, pretty self-reliant and only in need when particular things crop up. So how do you obviously it's a matter of a case by case basis, etc. And understanding and knowing different people's personalities. But how, how do you deal with well, that? Well, I'm really passionate mix? about talent. And I'm really passionate about working with talented people. So for me, you know, I'm obsessed with my job and I, and I love it. So, you know, you just find time, you know, you know, when you've got too many clients or not enough, and, and it doesn't matter for me whether it's an acting client who is in a job for 12 months or it's a TV presenter client um, uh, like Scarlett Moffat, for example, who has a gazillion different jobs all at one go. You know, I'm passionate about it all. And if I wasn't, I'm the wrong person to be representing them. And and sometimes being all honest, you know, sometimes there are certain people who are going in a direction which isn't quite where I'm feeling. And I'm the first person that calls them and says, you know, I think we're on a different path here and you need somebody who's on your path so um look you know it's, a, it's about time management same for everyone and, and you just have to make sure that you have the right time of course there are certain people 
um, probably the more profile ones, the ones that, you know, are mainstream, you know, uh, you know, uh, we're very fortunate to work with some amazing people, whether it's Emily or Vinnie Jones or Jacqueline Josser, who just won the jungle, uh, or Samantha Womack, Jake Wood from EastEnders. They're, you know, I, I feel very lucky to get to work with such brilliant people. But what I love about them isn't just that they're all individually talented in their own way, but they all want to excel. They all want to do more. They all have ambitions that they haven't yet met. Um, and I'm excited by that. So, yeah, I think, you know, I'm sure you have it with your clients as well in the football world. You know, if you're passionate about them, you find the time. Um, and, you know, very, you know, if, if there's ever a call you don't want to pick up or there's an email you don't want to respond to, that should send alarm bells ringing uh, as to why you're in business with them, if you know what I mean. You, you got you got to be you got to be yep. honest with yourself. You know, sense, a, you know, an agent is no different. You know, you have to really be honest with yourself and honest with them because when you when like anyone, when you say to somebody, "Please put your career in my hands," that's a serious responsibility. And the least you can do is call someone back, email someone back, and if you get to a point where where those basics aren't even happening, someone's got to end it at some point soon because you know, I think our job um, is really important because you know. For many people out there, you know, when you try and find a job, you know, you might go on the Guardian website, you might go on jobs, so you might go wherever you go for a job and, you know, in a weird way, you're applying for those jobs yourself. Whereas if you're in the arts and entertainment industry, it's very difficult to apply for those jobs yourself. You need your agent to do that. And so it's a very, you know, you've got to take your role responsibly. So, yeah, if, you, if you're feeling like uh, like you, you don't want to be making that call back, you need to, you need to start the conversation. No, really, really wise words there, I think. And um, if I can then switch, just because I obviously don't want to take too much of your Damn, time. we're in isolation. Well, and because, you can take up as um, much time. We're not going. We are not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note then, if I can switch to yeah. a little bit of football chat, if you don't mind. Um, uh, I think it's pretty much well known you're a Spurs fan, or at least exactly. now, seeing as I'm yeah. broadcasting it to the people that are listening. Exactly. Can I, I <laughs> can I ask the first question? Me being a Liverpool fan as well. Um, yeah. Champions League final, Sissoko handball or not? Uh, question. We, I discuss. know that we have very differing opinions on this because we have argued over many hot chocolates uh, about this since since May. Um, for me, it's not <laughs> a handball because it hit him in the armpit, and yeah, it might have rolled down, but it wasn't. It wasn't handsable. It wasn't deliberate. It was 22 seconds in and it wasn't crystal clear. And I think at 22 seconds into the Champions League final, it just, look, to be fair, we didn't show up after that. I heard a, a Richard Pochettino did a, a Jake Humphreys uh, podcast recently and he said that he felt that we, we played better than Liverpool uh, in the final. And, and look, I rarely disagree with, uh, with the maestro, um, but... On, on this occasion, I do. I don't. I think even though we went one 0 down very early on um, in difficult circumstances, I, I don't think we offered a lot, which was really disappointing. Um, but not for you. You were probably ecstatic from twenty-two seconds in. It was literally the really? longest game of football I've ever watched in my life. Did you not I feel think. in control? Did you yeah. Not feel like it was um, a, a yeah. Bit of certainty from twenty-two seconds on. I didn't actually because I actually thought Harry Winks had one of his best games in a in a Spurs shirt from the games that I've watched Spurs play, and I thought that actually the thing that um, let you guys down generally um, was the final ball. I thought you got in front of our back four quite a lot, and the final balls weren't brilliant. And 
our goalkeeper was impeccable. And I think it, you know, a lot of people say it was very un, a very unlike Liverpool mm. performance. It wasn't fluid. It was stop start. It was playing channels. I in a weird think it was way, probably one of the most pr- pragmatic, progressive yeah, games way, of football you know, Liverpool have ever played. Twenty-two seconds in is probably quite a weird thing as well because you set out with mm. your tactic, you know, to maybe just hold tight, see how the the game starts to pan out. But when you're one nil up so early, it kind of throws everyone's tactics out the window. And maybe, maybe even though it was to your advantage, it kind of threw you guys a little bit as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, ultimately everybody remembers the results, but I think it was a much more even game, Um, you know, possibly Spurs shaving it in terms of, um, you know, potential chances as well. But in the end, you know, I think, I I always thought that if if you guys equalised, I think we'd had a very hard time going on to win that game. Yeah, I I just thought, you know, there was a lot, you know, obviously there was a big weight to the final. It was a very, very hot day as well, I seem to remember. And, you know, obviously we had the whole starting Mm. Harry Kane thing, which to be fair, I know people can moan about it now. We all would have done the same thing. I, I don't think, you know, uh, Lucas obviously had a phenomenal 45 minutes against Ajax, one that one that earns him a statue at any, you know, at that stadium any time he wants. But ultimately, Lucas only scores probably one in every seven or eight games. Um, he doesn't often score hat-tricks in 45 minutes. Um, so uh, when you've got Harry Kane, who in my mind, is one of you know the best strikers in world football. You have to start him, and um, if we hadn't have started him, the same flack would have been coming the other way. There was no win situation, so mm. it was disappointing. You know, I've got the memories of Man City away and Ajax, and um, it's interesting Liverpool to us because you know we've, we've enjoyed being on the sort of similar level for for a good few years, and you know we've finished above you for a good few years. But you know, when you guys realised you needed to improve certain positions. You went out and did it, and that's what we didn't do. And I think that's been a real eye-opener. You know, when you needed a goalkeeper, in came Allison. When you needed a centre-back, in came Van Dijk. And um, I think, you know, when we had our self-imposed transfer ban, that was that was a moment, and we didn't quite take it, sadly. And and then maybe that fits into the next question, which is, uh, it's pro- I probably know the answer to, uh, maybe the answer to this question, but, you know, as a Spurs fan, um, those two games last season, the quarterfinals and the, uh, the semifinals, are two uh, two of the most incredible games I've ever witnessed as a as a football fan. Yeah. I'd actually probably say more the quarterfinal, simply because of the the, the VAR oh. drama so late in the day. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, is that is 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 that would that go down now? Even though ultimately it was an unsuccessful season, as one of the um, yeah, most I mean, I, incredible I still watch. I still watch those highlights back. You know, even in especially in this period now of, of no football, um, that uh, you know away game at, at City, the away game at Ajax. Um, yeah, look, even though it didn't end the way we wanted to, you can't take that away. It was incredible, and I mean, listen, we didn't have Harry Kane in either of those games, and. Um, it's just, you know, and I'm sure even if you'd have lost the final, you still would look back at that Barcelona game at Anfield and probably, you know, you'd be disappointed, but you still watch that back with fondness and, and things. So, look, you know, you can't beat Champions League football. You know, I'm not sure we'll get it again this season, uh, next season, but, you know, that's if we finish the season. Um, but, yeah, that, that away game, you know, when it goes in off Lorente's 
uh, well, I'm saying hip, people say hand. It it was unbelievable. And then when st- that that non-winner at the end was just heart attack football is the only way I can describe it. It was amazing. But it's just, you know, it's so no, it's make or break. Stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously you work across many footballers. And isn't it funny how one game, one moment can not even just make or break someone's season, but it can also make or break their career, you know. And, and it's incredible just how... Um, things can turn very very quickly it's literally i mean there's the, that film any given sunday which always springs to mind um i think it was with i can't remember it's pacino or de niro and he gives the big speech about yeah. being, uh, life being about a game of inches and you know that those inches of var decisions of um i'm trying to remember if it was I think Aguero being offside, I think it was, or, you know, even last season with Mane's ball not quite going over the line yeah. against City at the Etihad as well. You know, everything, is, and especially with VAR this season and the controversy of everything that's gone on, um, you know, all of those type of things, that, that, that's this in my is mind. What, you know, the, all the you can do, yeah, for ways. sure. And all that's you can do is give yourself the right tools. And this, you know, to be fair, this crosses not just football, but back into, into sort of art and entertainment. All you can do is give yourself the best tools to succeed work hard being try you know you know it's very true you know you make your own luck at times and um i know you've got a very famous luck quote that you like to use as well um and and you you know you make your own luck at times but you have to be putting yourself in the position to be lucky and to get lucky and um that's all you can do and i know that you do that with with the clients that you work with as well and, and on my side you know it's the same, you know, football is very different from what I do because things aren't so dramatic in that knife edge moment, uh, you know, of a penalty scored or a penalty missed. But, you know, when, you know, for example, with um, like Emily Atak, who I look after, or Jacqueline Josser, when you come out of the jungle in a successful way, you you know, your your life can go one of two ways, for example. And you've just got to always, you know, work hard to get yourself in that right position so yeah football's football's no different you have to kind of uh work hard and then fingers crossed you get lucky but yeah do, <laughs> do you see very quickly do you see many similarities between some of the things that i've said in terms of what i do in, in football i know you're coming at it from a, a lawyer side rather than an agent side but you know i know you work alongside a lot of football agents yeah i mean it's, it's i always find it fascinating just hearing other people's other talent agents views on the wider agency business um, because the same issues always crop up, pay, um, branding, uh, recruitment, um, uh, finding the right talent, finding the right jobs, um, understanding the market, knowing the industry inside out, being able to pick up the phone to people at the right yep. time to offer and find the right opportunities. It's it's all. It's about not just one thing, is it? Of, Some of people think an agent is just about invisible network, earning money network. for clients, and therefore agents take money for themselves. And I know a lot of agents get labelled with that money grabbing tag, but but earning your client a good fee is is one slither of a massive pie in terms of what what you provide as a service. And I think I think even though people are in, there are different agents in different industries. I think you can learn a lot from. I know you're very similar to me, Dan. But I read um, interviews and about and books with a lot of agents. It, you know, I read interviews about with baseball agents. I read interviews with NBA agents. I read interviews with music agents and even mm. book agents and art agents. Just because even though they're playing on a different field, the way 
they sort of nurture their talent and create opportunities and know their market, as you said, is it can be passed over between between industries. So for me, I know you get, you work with a lot of fantastic football agents. I'm obsessed with all those football agents you work with because I want to know, even though I'm not dealing with footballers, I want to know how they negotiate in that way or why they made that decision. You know, it's 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 not always about the money. I think that's the uh, the key thing to say. And I think lastly, and um, you know, it's been it's been fantastic to have you on. I think a lot of the time, what separates the the great agents from the exceptional agents is, I think the exceptional agents have an an uncanny ability to find solutions yeah. where others can't. I know it's an easy thing to say, but they find opportunity where other people see dead ends. And I think that it's an amazing art to. You know, mm. you were saying about some of your mentors previously, you know, it was amazing to find such instances where they use their skills in such particular ways in certain situations where you think there's, there's no there, way There's one particular moment that it, sign it up, I remember when I used to work at ARG uh, and I've been at Intertalent now for seven years, um, led by Jonathan Shallott, who's a great chairman. And when I was at ARG um, and, and Sue has always represented Daniel Radcliffe, I remember we came to the end of the Harry Potter franchise you know, a lot of profile, a lot of celebrity, a lot of money, a lot of stardom. And, and we sat down as an entire team, his UK team, his American team, his PR, everyone. And I just remember the conversations, you know, of just what we do next is we're going to go and do a bit of an art house film. And then we're going to go and do a musical, even though he, at that point he couldn't sing or dance, you know, and he worked his ass off at it. And we're going to go off and do this and do that because they, they realised that if you do the same thing, you're going to be very limited and, and boxed in. And, and what was really interesting was this, this notion of surprising people. When Dan left Harry Potter and went off and did a musical, and then he did that play, at the, the Old Vic, and then he went and did a, a quirky film and then did a rom-com. And he did all these things that nobody expected Harry Potter, you know, Daniel Radcliffe to do. And that's, you know, given him this long-term career. And it always kind of stuck with me about thinking outside the box, never just saying yes to the things that, people want you to say yes to it's not always about the money uh, it's just about creating longevity and diversity and yeah thinking about right in and, and, and that that story always sort of I think that was about eight nine years ago now sticks with me when I work with my clients because it's not about what you've done or what you're doing now it's about how we get to the end goal and working our way in many different ways to to get there so you know it's um it's fun. I enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a bit work obsessed like you are. And, uh, you know, I think, I think to find something that is really enjoyable is, uh, is a bit of a honor really, isn't it? So yeah, all good. I've chewed your ear off very long time. Mate, Alex, thanks for your time, pal. It's been really insightful. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, I quite like not talking as much as being the host for a change, which is very pleasant and listening to other people speak much more sense. So hopefully, um, a little bit of time we'll get you back on and by that um, point you might hear more about um, the stuff you've been doing but in the meantime Alex you go always (laughs) always always. you always just have to get the cheap shot thank you so much thanks very much pal thanks for listening you can follow me on Twitter TikTok and Instagram at Football Law read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website danielg.com forward slash blogs please do subscribe to the Dundeal football podcast like share and tag me if you like the content if not my voice you'll probably also like my book Dundeal 
an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers, and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally, and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.